What's up, everything? Well, it's been a win-some-lose-some week for the Blues with an up-and-down road trip that ended on consecutive high notes in Los Angeles and Anaheim, which are basically the same thing. But the Blues, it turned out, had not yet begun to defile themselves as they came home and lost a critical so-called four-point game to the Colorado Avalanche. Where does that lead the Blues' playoff chances? That's what we'll discuss ahead, so let's get started and let's go Blues! Guys, no cup podcast. It is Friday, March 16th. It is 11:15 in the evening. We've been watching basketball and taking copious notes. We are coming to you live from the campus of uh, the Uni- University of Maryland at Baltimore County, which we knew about long before mm-hmm. tonight. And uh, this actually wasn't scheduled in advance. It was scheduled in advance, and it had nothing to do with the basketball thing. We just happened to be coming here. Go Labradors. They, they paid our absurd, Retrievers. our absurd, our absurd recording fee to bring us and not even do a live episode. There are no students in attendance. <laughs> We're just in a studio on campus. They just wanted the prestigious of having us there. Mm-hmm. What dog are they? What dog? Retrievers. Okay. You were right the second time. There's my phone going off, so... <laughs> off to a hot start everybody (laughs) uh yes it is friday we are most of the way through the first round of march madness as we alluded to the university of maryland no (laughs) one even knows what the school is i'm going umbc from now on retrievers have pulled off the first ever 16 upset of a one seed uh, by beating virginia by 20 points at the end of the day it was quite a thrashing Mm -hmm. um and that glorious event will help ease the sting of what is currently, I am certain, uh, a more and more devastating Missouri loss. We left when it was about 13 points of a deficit, and let's hope they pull it out, but they're not gonna. So Missouri gets no joy Mm-mm. other than when the Cardinals occasionally are good. And then Kansas, the Royals uh. every two, 20 years. Um, how are you doing tonight, Ian, on the night before St. Patrick's Day? When we finish recording, it almost certainly will be St. Patrick's Day. Because this is going four hours, folks. (laughs) Maybe when we turn over... each of these games. When we get to St. Patty's Day, we can just chug some beers. (laughs) We'll take a break. Mm -hmm. We'll come right back and be much more inebriated. (laughs) Welcome back. (laughs) Just, Just so drunk. Uh, how's your night going? How's preparations for the big trip to the penitentiary you're about to take? <laughs> you want to just leave it there? Yeah, I'm not going to no jail. Well, I guess it's a penitentiary. That's different. I mean, I'm going so to maximum it. security, <laughs> which I think we got one. Doesn't Missouri got one of those? Yeah, I'm sure it does. We got Somewhere. lots of criminals. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to yeah. Korea and then Japan, not a maximum security <laughs> prison, but I'm South sure Korea, they'd both folks. be interesting. <laughs> yeah, South Korea. Why do people have to preface that? I guess you can go to North Korea. I don't but like think why, so, though. Like, but why would you? I think I think you'd need to preface the the North Korea yeah, thing exactly. a lot more than the South. But I've said Korea. I was only times. saying South in reference to the penitentiary oh. part because North Korea pretty much is one. So <laughs> every time I say Korea, someone will be like South Korea. I'm like, yeah, 
Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> that feels right. That feels right, you know. And not Seoul either. Busan. Hey. Which is the farthest you can get away from North Korea and South Korea. Diving deep, folks. <laughs> He's going to those second-tier Korean cities. <laughs> oh, that's first-tier in the South. <laughs> <laughs> Number one southern so, city. Ian will be taking that trip from sometime next Sunday, next Sunday, for two weeks thereafter. So we're going to be without him for that period. Uh, but we have plans, skeletal though they may be at the pr- present moment, to continue providing you not top class content because how this could content. it be without Ian? Uh, but some content, a content. How many minutes have we gone in without uh, speaking the word hockey? <laughs> um, I'm still on. We've gone 136 bars. Uh, we've gone four and a half minutes. <laughs> Should we just take it to ten? Let's, Let's just not rolling. even go. Uh, yeah. So it's been. You're taking that trip. It's gonna be dope. Mm-hmm. And we'll figure it out from there. All the Blues games, well, I don't know all of them, but most of them should fall around like 9 a.m. the next day or the day before the he's, game he, is played. Time is weird. He's going to be doing them hot takes at, from South Korea oh yeah, oh at yeah. noon. <laughs> I'll text you and you can start tweeting those out for me. <laughs> Eating ramen. I'll do it all day. The Blues I'll still do that stink. All day. And we will be celebrating because when you return, there will be no playoffs to watch. Well, we'll see. We'll get to that. There'll be a playoffs. Uh, Someone who is going to the playoffs, but not to the Olympics because Gary Bettman sucks, is Alexander Ovechkin, who scored his 600th career goal this week against a team. (laughs) Do you remember who it was against? I know I should know, but it's not on the top of my head. Mm -mm. Uh, He's a good player, right? (laughs) I'm going to guess the hurricane, but I think I'm wrong. Let's talk about Alex Ovechkin with the same level of expertise that Mike Francesco (laughs) talks about Ichiro's new game. I like Alexander Ovechkin. Um, But he's not. He's he's not a Hall of Famer. (laughs) He's in his, what, early 30s? Who's that again? Ichiro? Oh, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer for sure. Uh, Winnipeg Jets. Was that? Yeah, that was That's who it was against, which is ironic. He got to have it in front of his little boy, Line, his little son. Uh, How old is he, Ovechkin? He is 32 or 3. I will look it up. Did you think, in our not expert opinion, that he was going to be able to keep up this sort of production? No, even in the early 30s? I legitimately have thought for two or three years, like as a fantasy asset, because I've been playing fantasy th- hockey the last few years, and I keep thinking I'm not drafting them this year because this is the year he exactly. finally dips. Because I think with Ovechkin, the thing is, so much of his style is physical that it ha- you know, you think, you would think that it would have an impact Mm-hmm. And would wear him down over time, but it doesn't seem to be. Uh, with he's on pace to get, I think, another fifty goal season. He just scored forty, so it's touch and go. Yeah, he'd be close. Upwards of fifty, you would think. Um, just an incredible player, thirty-two years old. Uh, Wayne Gretzky, of course, holds every record in hockey, mm-hmm. um, and his goal total is, I think, eight hundred and thirty-nine. Um, but uh, I'm looking that up. But he stands atop the leaderboard. Do you think Ovechkin has a chance 
to get to 894. I was wrong. Oh, no way. <laughs> you don't think so? I don't think he's going to... Oh, man. It depends on if he goes like on a Yager-like sort of tear where he's got like 10 more years in him. And even then, you got to think the latter three or four of those aren't going to be great. Um, if he's at 600 now, I bet he could hit 700. I don't think that's a stretch. No, I mean, he'll get heck, you could get sure. you could get two fifty goal seasons in a row, and he's right there. Yeah, um, but I think once you reach mm, seven fifty, eight hundred, you're kind of pushing it. But again, we haven't seen him really slow down, so there's no indication that he can't hit those. He's so he's at six hundred, probably in some change at this point. Um, Yarmir Yager is third at 765. I don't think he finishes any lower than third. I think he'll pass Yager in his career. I think I could honestly see him catching Gretzky if he stays in the NHL. So obviously as a Russian player, the lure for him really? and the money for him is probably going to be pretty intense to go to the KHL. But he's 32. Let's say he plays till he's 40. Mm-hmm. That's eight more seasons. That's an average of, what, to get 300 goals in eight seasons, that's an average of 30-some, 30 35 or that's more. That's more, yeah, more than 30. If he, I mean, that doesn't seem totally impossible, especially no. if he has a couple more 50 so that a couple at the end can be closer to 20, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. I don't think it's likely, but I think if Ovechkin wants to get there if that's like a big desire for him i think he could Mm -hmm. um and i don't know that we'll ever see any other player who comes close to having a chance so it is kind of exciting to watch him and be able to see him maybe have a chance Mm. you know does it kind of blow your mind that he's sort of in a way underrated i don't want to say underrated i guess but for being a huge star player i think he might be the least talked about yeah. superstar maybe because he just scores more or less he yeah. just scores but i mean what he does is astounding mm-hmm. especially in this era of hockey like 50 goals consistently for that guy yeah. is absolutely bonkers i just i think i think it's a com- combination of factors but i do think it has a lot to do with the fact that they've never had playoff success true so that's that's a fair factor before I go into my conspiracy theory. <laughs> uh, but I do, I mean, I think honestly there is a bias in this league towards Canadian players. I, mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not, that's understandable because it's such a Canadian sport and the media is so Canadian. But even, you know, taking it the lens off Alex Ovechkin, who at least is talked about, think about how great a player Nicholas Backstrom is, who's been his line mate almost this whole time and is never talked about, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, even, you know, that's their second he's the best guy player, in his yeah. shadow and Oshie isn't talked about, you know, I, it's just, there are lots, there are more and more guys in this league that I think just if they're not in the right market, I mean, look at how good Nathan McKinnon and Taylor Hall are this year. Mm-hmm. And I still don't think they're thought of as stars of this league, you know. And Kucherov, we were talking about last week a little bit with the underrated players bowl thing. It's just, it's interesting how this league and its stars align with the best and biggest franchises, whether or not that's a fair, mm-hmm. you know, whether or not those are fair people to represent the league obviously Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid should be 
two of the league's biggest stars. I'm not trying to argue that, but it is kind of interesting to see how that breaks down a little bit. And I would say you're right that Ovechkin is somehow a little underrated. Uh, but you know who's not underrated Ooh. is Vincent Trocek. He actually is severely Probably. <laughs> but David Backus, the man who hit him, uh, I think, Wednesday night, Thursday or Wednesday night. Yeah. Um, of course, former Blues captain David Backus, for those of you that didn't see this play, Backus received a game misconduct for a hit from behind after he skated up ice and hit Trocek, who was turning towards Backus, uh, but he hit him right in the head. Trocek got up and was fine, thank God, because I'm in the uh, fantasy hockey playoffs and Trocek's my dude. Uh, but um, not a great look for Backus, who missed the rest of the game as a result. Um, what do you say about this? What say you, Ian, uh, about this hit, which I think, from my perspective... I've, I've softened a little bit yesterday. I thought it was a pretty vile hit. Today, I'm more along the lines of um, it wasn't dirty necessarily, but I do think it was a nasty hit. Maybe, you know, I, th- I think we want to limit this sort of thing mm-hmm. in the game. I heard the, the Boston broadcasters uh, were talking about, you know, with great dismay, we're talking about how... Uh, Oh, they're super homers. David Backus had been and how uh, they're putting the onus on the um, on the the hitter and how can that possibly be and do we want that and everything. And I'm just thinking, yeah, we do want that, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> what else could it be, you know? So I'm sorry. Why don't you talk about it a little bit because I know you maybe had a little, slightly different opinion than I do. No, to your point, you were talking about league putting onus on the hitter. And they do a lot of this talk, though, now, too, where they'll talk about sort of uh, onus on the guy getting hit. They, he put mm-hmm. himself in a vulnerable position, you know. He's by the, you know, somebody's by the boards and puts their head down. They he shouldn't be doing that. This was more of an open ice hit. I don't remember the exact circumstances, but Trocek was sort of falling down, was he not? Mm-hmm. He had sort of been clipped by somebody, yeah. another player, and he was sort of falling down. And I think Bacchus was going in to sort of finish a check, hit him, it so happened that Trocek's head was now at waist height or stick stick slashable height, and Bacchus kind of clipped him in the head, I believe. Mm-hmm. He fell down. I think Bacchus then fought Matheson or somebody on the, the Panthers. You are correct. It was Matheson. Um, not, I've, I've softened the other way, too. I was going to tell you this was not a dirty hit at all, and he shouldn't have gotten any sort of match penalty, and it's ridiculous that he did. It, it's a dirty hit, but it's... An unlucky, dirty hit, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't blame Bacchus. I think you can probably let up, but it's the speed of the game, but he didn't look like he was coming in that fast either. Yeah. It did look like he probably had the option to maybe just sort of lay off. Mm-hmm. He did sort of look like he patted Trocek like, on the back, like, my bad, you know, sort of thing. Um, someone posted on Reddit, actually, a Bacchus clip. I don't know if you remember this. This is a long time ago. This is when they had those... Uh, those worst jerseys, those little striped jerseys, piping jerseys. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, he hit somebody on the Red Wings, like a clean hit, a really clean hit to the chest, and I they gave him this, they yeah. gave him like a five-minute major, mm. and it was like a playoff race game, and they scored like two goals or at least a goal on us, and they won the Red Wings. So more reason to hate the Red Wings. But yeah, Backus... Not has that been, I needed. Yeah. Backus has been involved in a couple hits where 
I mean, he's been involved in somewhere he made a dumb call. Yeah. But I think he's been in a couple where it's just him hitting a guy and he's that much bigger or the guy's kind of in a vulnerable position. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Bacchus has a... I, I guess he kind of has a little bit of a reputation. He's not dirty, but he's a big guy and he hits. So yeah. when they see him hit a guy, they're going to kind of try and crack down a little harder than maybe, you know, save Trocek have been throwing the hit instead. Overall, I'm just glad that they rescinded the match penalty because it's kind of showing like, hey, we knew it was bad. We mm-hmm. looked at it again, not as bad as we thought. Kind of a our bad by the league, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, I, d- I don't want to linger on this. I think one. I'm glad. I'm glad they didn't suspend him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what good rescinding the match penalty really does. At this it's, point. A, it's the weird. It's the weirdest old man hockey yeah. thing of like we do this as a form of respect. Yeah, like I don't care. He's like missed the match already. Why does he <laughs> care? Um, I think one of the big issues here was he had just returned from that three game ban on a late hit on Franz Nielsen. Uh, also on Detroit, so maybe mm. he has a thing for Detroit, <laughs> hitting Detroit players. That's fine by me. Um, so I think there was a little bit of that sort of, well, you know, because if you do that sort of thing, you may be in for a real long suspension. I'm glad they didn't suspend mm. him, especially as a reaction to that. But just to kind of talk more three-dimensionally about it, especially playing off of the comments of the Boston media guys, who are, of course, Homer, because they're Boston media guys, but they were talking about... They made this big fuss about, like, well, you, the NHL wants this onus to be on the hitters, and how is that possible sort of thing? And I just don't see, like, how else could you enforce it? You know, mm. like, the NHL has plenty of rules that they don't understand or have wrong, <laughs> but, like, the NFL, if a receiver's in the air and defenseless, it's on the defender to mm-hmm. not murder him <laughs> while he's defenseless. And if he does, it's a 15 yard penalty. Right. And that's not hard. Like that's a pretty simple, if the receiver's turning up field, you can't decapitate him because if you could, you could kill him. You know that, I mean, maybe for the whole overall picture of how the game should be played mm-hmm. in an ideal world, maybe that's not the ideal rule, but in a world where we have so much, uh, well, not according to Gary Bettman, but in a world where most people acknowledge we have so, <laughs> so much evidence on CTE and concussions and uh, all of the damage mm. around head and neck injuries, it's on a player like Bacchus to do his best to avoid this hit, I think. And that doesn't mean he can. I know he's not superhuman. He can't just like Mr. Fantastic and stretch out of the way of Trochik's path, but... I do want to, I just think like, yeah, of course it's on the hitter to some extent, because how could it not be, yeah. you know, the, the, uh, the, the hit the person getting hit is like the ind- independent variable in this experiment. Mm. He's just there, you know, so, and that's the other, the other thing with that, just to play off that line is like, if a guy gets cross-checked, it's on the cross-checker. It's not the guy's responsibility to not get cross-checked. <laughs> he just shouldn't you know? have been there. Yeah, so anyway, I don't want to linger on that if, if you have anything else to say, though. I love David Backus. You're welcome to. Yeah, we all do. We all we all love that uh, rookie-murdering homicidal <laughs> maniac. Um, <laughs> Joe Evanson returned from his compound fracture mm. in... Uh, 
last night's game against the Colorado Avalanche and looked very good, including scoring the Blues' only goal of the game, which we will discuss in a little while. He looked like he was right back up to speed, and I'm glad to have him back ahead of schedule. Um, he was uh, missed more dearly than I thought he Agreed. would. Agreed, yeah. As we kind of mea culpa either last week or the week before. Um, he's a bigger part of this team than I thought, and uh, good for him. I'm glad that he's back. Uh, Justin Honecker, our friend on Twitter, had a great line where he said, uh, I, for- I forget the exact verbiage, but uh, Joel Edmondson's impact is really compounding or something. I've forgotten it. I'm butchering it, Justin. I'll he, look it up. He doesn't know. You who, stall for a while he, while I look at He doesn't up. know who tweeted what. <laughs> I know who tweeted it. I just don't know what he Do said. Do you? I don't know. It was Justin or some other guy. <laughs> we'll wait. We'll wait for me to uh, be let's right. Let's do the awkward, awkward pause, everybody. How about it? We're going to keep searching, keep searching, keep I'd, searching. I'd talk, but this is better. I well, think this makes know, for better audio. I'm dying inside. Like this woman at Shop and Save today, who was a sweet checker. I'm just going to go off on this tangent. So Why'd you go to shop and save? Because I'm poor. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> it wasn't It wasn't Justin Honecker. See, I screwed it up. I blew it. I'm sorry, everybody. We love you all. We just mixed you up. <laughs> we, know, we know we love you all. We just don't know who's what. It, it was Vince done with your shit. I'm sorry, Justin. You'll get him next time. And I'm sorry, Vince. You got him this time. <laughs> but he said Edmondson's impact sure seems to be compounding in all caths since his return. So thank you for that delightful, Jim. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be the tweet of the week that includes our name in it for sure. And I'm not sure I remember to find another one. So it may just be the tweet you of the won week. Uh, by default. <laughs> but now since I started the, sh- the shop and save thing they have this app with a $15 coupon that I never forget to open on Thursdays or Fridays or whatever and this sweet checker woman who's well-meaning is like anytime I check out with her she's like you gotta put it on there and their app is crap and it never loads well, yeah, it's for and there are people. people behind me <laughs> and I'm just like sweetheart I get that I could save $15, but it is worth way much more shame (laughs) standing in front of this poor man that's just trying to buy his corned beef and cabbage. Please let me go. (laughs) And that's what it felt like to be looking up your tweets. Um, So there we go. Did you call her sweetheart? No, no, because I can't do that to women. That's weird. But, you know, I appreciate those who can. I said sweetheart. Justin Honecker probably calls people sweetheart, and he's a great guy. Thanks, Justin. Uh, so, Carter Hutton was injured. He knew who tweeted at him, and that was his neck, saying, I'm not okay. <laughs> he has a neck injury. <laughs> There's no details on how long he'll be out, and this is a catastrophe. Billy <laughs> uh, Huso was called up to be the backup, but in our game in Los San Jose, which you're going to discuss, he was not available, and there was some guy from Anna from San Jose who was the backup goalie that night. Uh, there we go, emergency backups in the NHL. It's crazy. Let's nope. go move on to that game, shall we? Because I'm going to discuss it now, which I think <laughs> I just said you're going to. All right, hard reset, folks. We're going to be clean and smooth sailing from here on At out. At least the next minute. 
Yeah, I won't say anything stupid for like maybe 20 seconds. This was a game where the Blues scored one goal, no goals. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) This is my worst day on the airways of all time. It's very late. It is. All right. The Blues scored zero goals. They took 16 shots, which is what I was trying to say. But 25% of those shots were by Kyle Brodziak. And more than 25% were by defensemen. So that's five shots by defensemen and four by Kyle Brodziak, which means our other 11 (laughs) forwards took seven shots. So let's remember that, shall we? That's like a shot Uh, of forwards. Not even. even. Not even. It's not even that. Let's remember that, shall we, when we talk about the first period where nothing happened and the second period where nothing happened. Jake Allen was phenomenal during this game, though. It's Mm -hmm. the best he's looked, not just from a sense that, yeah, he saved 34 shots, so of course it was the best he looked, but he looked more poised. He looked like he had his positioning down. He looked like he knew what the hell he was doing out there. It was great. (laughs) Great effort all around from the snake. We're glad to have you back, kid. Get out there and do it again. Uh, But the Blues, who have been utterly disappointing and Jake Allen's recent efforts could do nothing to support him. And we'll talk about some quotes in a minute. Let's just get through these disgusting goals. Mikel Bodker put the dagger in it uh, about 12 minutes into the third period on a power play goal, uh, assisted by Eunice Donskoy and Dylan DeMello. Um, this team's not very good anymore either. <laughs> uh, Eunice Donskoy is on the power play. How'd they let that happen? Anyway, uh, this mm-hmm. was a very strange kind of power play goal. It just sort of felt like it developed in slow motion. Donskoy had it against the boards for a little while, and then he passed to Bodker, who was in the middle, but sort of untouched. And he just sort of slowly, like, it was behind, the pass was behind him, so he reached his stick behind him, collected it, and then, like, dusted it off and, like, wristed it high on Allen and the defense. Defensemen were like, yeah, go ahead, have your well, shot. Why not? Um, Allen, I don't think, could have made a better move on this, even if he could have. It was the lone goal he allowed in 34 shots in 60 minutes, so I think he's fine. Uh, a little bit of just just to twist the knife even deeper. Prior to this, the Sharks had been 0 for 29 on the power play in 12-plus games. Um, and the 39 even strength goals they'd scored consecutively without a power play goal in the middle uh, is the longest such streak since the Boston Bruins did it in 1958-59 season. So great work by the Blues <laughs> to allow that streak to snap. You'd hate to have to keep that thing going. Uh, Thomas Hurdle, is it Thomas or Tomash? I always like to say Tomas. Tomas, yeah, it feels right. Uh, he scored an empty net goal uh, with 15 seconds left, assisted by Brent's, Brent's, Brent Burns. He just uh, wristed it in from half ice, uh, and that was that's all she wrote. That's all she wrote. Jake Allen did nothing to deserve this loss, but the Blues <laughs> did nothing to prevent it. So, um, yeah, uh, let's talk about the obvious... Statistics here. First of all, the Sharks outshot the Blues fifteen to do, fifteen to two in the third period. 
Uh, Jake Allen said, that's out of my control, honestly. I've always said the boys aren't trying not to score. It's just pucks aren't going in. But are they not trying not to score when you only take two shots in a period? You're certainly not trying hard to score. I like how he said that's out of my control. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know you're not going to score a goal. We get it. You're not Marty Burdor with his four career NHL (laughs) goals or whatever. Uh, The shots were 36 to 16 San Jose. Uh, with that said, the Corsi 4 percentage in this game was strangely only 40% for the Blues. So 60-40, with that many shots, you would think it would have been a wider gap. So you're saying we did pretty good. Yeah, exactly. But the uh, Sharks did have a 70-30 to command in the third period where they ran away with the games. Uh, the Sharks won face-offs by a narrow margin and have one goal on the two power plays when the Blues were 0 for 1. Uh, at the end of this game, uh, the Blues were 28th in the NHL with 15.5% power play percentage uh, and were 5 for 44, 5 of their last 44 at this point, um, which are Barrett Jackman and Chris Pronger's numbers, I think. I don't know why that matters, but they are. So there you go. <laughs> Chris Pronger was 44, right? I'm not making that up. You're right. Uh, (laughs) Correct. Tonight I could say God only knows, so keep a close watch on me. Uh, The Blues had more hits and more blocks, but that's to be expected when the other team's dominating the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, so the positive from this game is Jake Allen has his best start in literally probably months uh, with 34 saves uh yo brodziak and shin all praised their goalie saying he didn't deserve this and he deserved better and all the things you say <laughs> when you failed anyway but you feel bad about it you're ever gonna say that your goalie did deserve <laughs> a loss yeah this is on him yeah and i'm tired of it <laughs> uh so these are some interesting statistics three of alan's last four shot starts at this point though this is about to change in the game you get to cover uh were shutouts against so in in three of his last four games we had scored no goal and uh five total of his starts this season we've scored no goals and on top of that 10 of the last 16 starts alan's made we've scored one goal or fewer so while i know jake allen has not been good for the last few weeks or months of the season he certainly hasn't had a lot of support to bail him out from those bad games Mm -hmm. uh Braden Shen says, feel bad for the guy. Feels bad, man. Uh, <laughs> what would you do if somebody said that in an interview? <laughs> Feels bad, man. Uh, he was unbelievable tonight. We're not scoring goals when he's in net. He kept us in it all game, making save after save. I don't have an answer for you why, which is a common theme. I think we've moved away from looking into the mirrors to just, I don't know. I have no answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shrug. Uh, but it's unfortunate. He's given us good goaltending. 34 saves tonight, really big saves at key times. I'm sure he's frustrated when he's in the net and we're not scoring goals. Jake walks by. You can say that again, pal. (laughs) Sticks him in the shin. Uh, Jake says he felt like he'd been doing better uh, in recent games in the last five or so, he said, it may sound crazy, but I feel like my game's been improving. Uh, he says, I've got a little bit of athlete in me that brings in the aggressive side. Uh, I'm saying there, I'm staying deeper in my net a little bit. I'm fast enough to get to plays, so I'm just sort of letting plays come to me. And then I thought this was an interesting quote. Maybe one of those things where I'm reading too much into it, but the way Mike Yo has responded to some players lately in public, maybe I'm not too, and sort of felt like that was the way Jr. was phrasing it in his article. Uh, but he said, uh, he said, 
JR said when Yo was told that Alan said uh, he was trend he'd been trending up, Yo responded, For me, this game was a different level than his past few. I think that there's been some games where it's looked good in spurts. Tonight I would say he was the most complete game he's played in a while. Which is a fine quote, except it kind of feels like this guy's out of his mind if he thinks he's been <laughs> trending up. Uh, but it's not as bad as like that we'll have to help him with that Kyle Brodziak or the mm-hmm. just busting Tage Thompson's chops for no particular reason. <laughs> Uh, but that was an interesting quote. As I said, 16 shots, five by defenseman, four by Kyle Brodziak, meaning every other forward on the team combined for seven. Uh, not good. Um, Mike Yo said, not nearly good enough on the offensive side of things. I thought the work ethic was there. I don't. I think the <laughs> defensive focus was there, but way too many turnovers. And in this game, you can't create offense like that. You can't create offense when you're defending and chasing all night. And that's what we put ourselves in position to do. Uh, so they certainly found a way to create offense when they moved to Los Angeles. Why don't you tell us about that, Ian? Well, I'll say they probably created offense by putting Schwartz, Shen, and Tarasenko back together. Hey, finally. what an idea. What a crazy out-of-left-field notion that is. It's what the fans have been asking for. It's what the kids crave. It sure is. It's that SST line. The STS line, that TSS <laughs> line. It rolls right off the tongue. First, we got a better. We got to find a better name than I that. I mean, STL line was nice. We just need to get the L the hell out of here. Yeah, and for good reason. Trade for a player with a last name that doesn't suck that starts with L. And I don't know any off the top of my head. Hampus Lindholm. <laughs> you play forward now. <laughs> no, it'll never happen. <laughs> Curtis. Just Laser. so you know. No, no, gross. First Move period. On. <laughs> Uh, Blues score a goal pretty early on, three minutes into the game. Uh, Robert Bortuzzo goal, something you don't see very often. Maybe meant... But twice in a row. Yeah, maybe meant better things to come for the Blues. It it's, did in it, this Yeah, it's, it's, depth, it's depth scoring. You don't really think of your de- defensive depth scoring, but we needed it. It was assisted by Barbashev and Thompson. It was a fast wrister from Bortuzzo right from the slot. Barbashev sort of had the puck along the boards there. Drew two kings to him, and it left Bortuzzo open to score. How often at this point in the season do you, do you see a goal with two assists where the players have an 11 combined points? Mm-hmm. Uh, not combined, I guess, because this doesn't show the last two's goals or the Bortuzzo's assists, but yeah. you look at the numbers there, and it says 2-5-4. Oh, yeah, Bortuzzo, Barbashev, and Thompson. Really, the guys you think are going to be combining together yeah. for this. Not that Classic I want, yeah. St. Louis goal generation. Right Not there. that I want to complain. We need this. We need this so bad. The scoring continued with a Colton Pareko <laughs> slap shot, which is also oh, somewhat of a novelty music, these just days. Just friggin' music on, yes. on a goalie who is down and out. I made a point of that. Yeah, <laughs> Quick was down on his back, which means if you're a Blues player, you're not going to score. <laughs> Because for some reason, we just can't do it. We yeah. can't do it. But Colton Preco fired a slap shot, an accurate slap shot, on a wide open net. We should not be talking about like <laughs> this an with amazement. But uh, it happened, and it was great. The Blues were up 2-0 two, two to oh on the Kings after the first period. Second period came. Drew Doughty scored about halfway through the second period. His ninth goal of the season, assisted by Kopitar and Muzzin. This is sort of a little defensive breakdown. Doughty, Doughty gets a, a nasty feed from Kopitar in close and puts the puck past Allen. 
This is a kind of a combination of Thompson getting caught flat-footed when Dowdy speeds right past him and Pareko playing up towards the point, not really covering his man down low. I'm assuming they're playing man-on-man at this point, or maybe they're playing zone. One of them was playing the wrong defensive coverage <laughs> because both those things can't happen. Drew Dowdy, pretty good, though, eh? Mm, pretty yeah. good player. He's uh, real fast. He skated right by Tage Thompson. What do you think his going to be? 10? Next year? You think it'll be 10? I bet it's 10. Yeah. I think it will be. How old is he now? Got to be pushing 30, I would think. I think he's same age as Petrangelo, so yeah, like 28, 29, something 28. like that. You yeah. are correct. Bang. Yeah, that'll be $10 million, I mm-hmm. think. Speaking of Alex Petrangelo. <laughs> Speaking of $10 million, million players. Um, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> we'll not talk about not for the Blues. Petrangelo uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, scored his 12th goal of the season right towards the end of the uh, second period there with about three minutes left, assisted by Brodziak and Schwartz. Petrangelo. You assumed I meant Petrangelo as the $10 million paying mm-hmm. player. I meant Kyle Brodziak. Brodziak. Not on the blues. <laughs> uh, Not on the anyone. <laughs> Petrangelo uh, drove hard to the net and cleaned up his own rebound. It was a nice sort of dirty goal. There was about three or four swipes at it. I'm surprised Quick didn't get a handle on it because normally these are the kind that of... That guy sucks. <laughs> these are normally kind of goals that that guy swallows up. He's not... Well, he lets up big rebounds, but not... Rebounds in front where guys can just whack at it. Mm. Seems to be his MO from what I remember from mm. all those terrible, terrible playoff losses we've endured at the hands of Jonathan Quick. And then you would Lots think... Of yeah, Eight and two years. Mm-hmm. You would think that was the end of the Blues scoring for the second period, but no. <laughs> Ivan, forever. <laughs> yeah. Ivan Barbashev scored with under 30 seconds left in the second period, assisted by Saboka and Petrangelo. And this is Barbashev splitting the D, splitting uh, Drew Doughty, and I believe... Somebody Forbert. I can't remember his first oh, okay. name. He's new. Drew, maybe. <laughs> Drew Forbert. Drew Dowdy and Drew Forbert. I no Just, way. Justin. I want to say Justin. Justin Forbert. We're going to look it up. But okay. You're, you're right. Derek. Derek, Derek Forbert. We it's, were, it's like the middle ground between Drew and Justin somehow. <laughs> I was, like, was going to say that, but no, not at all. <laughs> that put the Blues, let's see, 4-2-1 at the end of the second period. I was in the middle of drinking moonshine <laughs> down in Branson. Little small amounts of moonshine because moonshine is awful. And I thought I was going blind or something was happening <laughs> when I looked at my phone and the Blues are up 4 1 to the Kings. And I'm like, mm, I don't think so. Probably not. Maybe my phone's backwards, upside down. <laughs> one of those things. <laughs> Moonshine's gross, folks. Uh, third period started. But Branson's great. Silver Dollar City. Huge sponsor. Long time. <laughs> oh, I, if, if sponsorship is in the mix here, then yes. A hundred percent. Great. Go see the Hay Goods. They're not crap. Um, <laughs> I promise. <laughs> in the third period, Jonathan Quick got yanked in, late, in favor of Jack Campbell, who blew it. <laughs> You blew it! <laughs> On the very first shot, Jack Campbell faces. It's a Tarasenko oh one-timer <laughs> fed to him by Jaden Schwartz, and he was clapping bombs. <laughs> and that's all Tarasenko was doing. <laughs> There's no other line to follow up clapping bombs. Oh, nobody's going to get that joke. No. You'll figure it out, kids. That was Tarasenko's 27th enough. goal. Do we think he's got 30 in him? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I feel like we haven't convinced anyone. Nope. 
Brodziak scores his goal, 10th of the season. I'm not railing on Brodziak. I love him as a player. Great. This is just an observation. <laughs> Does he not score meaningless goals? Yep, all the time. They're either in the middle of us just railing somebody. Wasn't it him that had that two-goal game when we were just getting wiped by the Ducks earlier yeah, in the season? Yeah, it was like 3-0. He scored two right at the very you were, end. You were at that game and you'd like walked out. I left right early. Right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, not that those don't matter. You're getting close to 3-2. You know, that's one goal For game. For another team, that would be Exactly. <laughs> but it's the Blues, so yeah, they're not going to win. So Kyle, just calm down. <laughs> a nice goal from him, assisted by... Uh, <laughs> we we got to give him that five-year, $3.85 million contract. <laughs> assisted by Steen and Thorburn. Thorburn has five assists. Not so bad. Not so good. I like to see Ryan Reeves do that. <laughs> Please, Ryan Reeves, come Please. back. We need you. Baby, come back. This Brodzik goal. You can sing that in karaoke over there at Korea. Mm-hmm. The home of karaoke. I think they call it, there's some company over there. It's like called Go Bang. I swear it's called like Go Bang <laughs> Karaoke. I'll take a picture. The Brodzik goal is a backhand, and I don't know much about Jack, Jake, whatever, Campbell. I don't know. He can't be that good because it was a terrible goal to let in. It pretty I don't much know just why slid this under team his whole decided, body. You know what? We don't need a backup goalie. We're going to trade Darcy Kimber. For Tobias Ryder, mm. who has not done crap for us yet, because we don't need a backup goalie. We got this Jack Campbell kid. They needed him tonight, and he sucked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Blue score another goal in the third. Jaden Schwartz is 20th of the season, assisted by Tarasenko and Dunn. Uh, this goal, I said, was a dipsy doodle, because it really was. It was a little tic-tac-toe. It was a nice move in by Schwartz off to the side. Great Schwartz goal, classic Schwizzle Schwartz. And then, in the very end of the third period, they pull the goalie. I don't know, they don't even pull the goalie. Excuse me, why would they do that? I believe they're on the power play, actually, and Dustin Brown scores his 20th of the season, which is kind of it amazing. It would be hilarious if they still did. They're like, you know what, this team sucks, we'll give it a shot. <laughs> Dustin Brown, who was like on the verge of being booted out of the NHL for just being like an embarrassment of a hockey player, has 20 goals this season. So apparently he's turned it around. I'm sure not as a person. He's an awful human being. But as a player, at very least, he's tolerable, mm-hmm. stats-wise. Uh, that empty net was assisted by Carter, his fifth of the season, because he's been hurt, I guess, all season long. And Kopitar, his 47th. Folks, let that sink in on you, that there's players in this league on teams that are probably about the same as the Blues, you know, good-wise. Playoff rate, play, good wise. It's late. Playoff race wise, who have forty seven assists as a forward. Ridiculous. And their first name is Angie, Angela Kopitar. <laughs> He's who that uh, Lumineers song was about. Deep cuts. We're going for some deep. Hey, I it, guess that's it's on the been radio. Played occasionally on the radio. Did you know that Jack Campbell was a former eleventh overall pick of the Dallas Stars? You were and was doing a lot of research to, over there. Straight <laughs> into Los Angeles. Did you realize that when you looked up at me and there was no eye contact? There, there was no was playback. Traded to Los Angeles for Neck Evert before the 2016 season. Did you know that? Hmm. He won his first NHL game oh against the Vegas Golden Knights on February 27, 2018, making 41 saves in a 4-1 to game. Very good if you're superstitious. Now back to the game. Have you ever cared now about back Jack to my Campbell? Hunch. You all care much more about Jack Campbell. Stats from this some, game. Some might even say Jack Campbell is mm-mm good. <laughs> 
You just yuck it up over there. I'm not going to laugh at that joke no matter what. How are you not? It was so brilliant. Uh, there you go. A little the, bit. Li- the listeners are dying. I'll tell you what. Uh, <laughs> I think they're dying for different reasons. <laughs> when does if this made, episode end? If you made it this far, God bless. God bless. <laughs> you know what? There are bless stats up, in this folks. game. Bless up, <laughs> Blues had 43 <laughs> shots. Kings had 40. Blues, not so great on the face-off percentage anymore. Probably because Paul Stasny's gone, only winning 38% of the draws. Blues over 3 on the power play to the Kings, 1 for 3. Uh, Blues blocks 13 to the Kings, 11. Giveaways 7 to 9. So actually a fairly even game that the Blues just seem to have a little bit of puck luck on. I mean, they played well. You make your own puck luck. You put the effort in, and it comes out your way, especially in this game. I just don't think that they necessarily dominated the Kings, not that they had to, but I think it was a good bounce back from the San Jose game, Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, Petrangelo had a nuts game stats-wise. I mean, he looked great the whole game anyways from the replays I watched, but he had one goal, one assist, was a plus five, eight shots on goal, 25 minutes and 13 seconds of ice time. There's your captain for you, folks. He's leading by example. friggin' Captain, folks. We railed on him last te- or uh, last podcast episode, and you know he bounced back. He's a great captain. We love him. Best captain of this franchise. I can't even say that. I love him, and even I feel weird saying <laughs> that. Best captain of right now. You can't Yippee. spell St. Louis Blues and Alex Petrangelo without a C, but you can't spell captain without an A, which there's one of. <laughs> so there you go. Oh. So. Oh, no. That one I knew wasn't going to be terrible. I just went with it. Mm-hmm. Would you like to say more about this game? No, I mean, I it was a great game. I was just surprised that the Blues had this in them still. I don't know, especially after that San Jose game. This felt like, might as well just lose out the season. Hold it up. I shouldn't say lose out, but the Kings were in... The Kings felt like they're in the Blues position. I mean, they're in a playoff race with the Blues. I mean, now that they're looking for a wild card spot. And they just kind of folded. I mean, maybe it's because it was an afternoon game for them. It would have been 1 o'clock. I mean, it was 3 o'clock for us, 1 o'clock uh, West Coast time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was just that. They don't. They thought the Blues stunk, much like maybe every, all the fans do, and they were caught off guard. I'm just glad that they had this in them, and I think it kind of catapulted the Blues into that Anaheim game. I agree. Well, what an excellent transition that I'm going to interrupt for a moment by saying that Florida State did win, and we're all terrible. So there you go. But Michael Porter Jr. did have a double-double, folks, so his Mizzou career wasn't totally for naught. It's all over. My life is over. (laughs) All right, so back to Anaheim. The Blues played a game in Anaheim, and you're thinking, I'm thinking. I don't want to portray my pessimism on you folks. Uh, But I'm thinking, total letdown game, right? We just got this huge win in in Los Angeles, which is right there. I'm tired of them pretending that Anaheim and Los Angeles are any different than, like, St. Louis and Baldwin, because they ain't, folks. (laughs) Um, But... uh, we got the big win in Los Angeles. I'm thinking, here it goes. It's just going to be pew, just straight down to the earth. But it wasn't that. And they opened the scoring by one of the more beautiful goals I've seen us score all season. And it ended on the stick of Robert Bortuzzo. Uh, Bortuzzo made a really nice play to chip the puck off the boards to exit our own zone. Um, 
And Shin and Petrangelo skated up ice. Shin sort of turned around and pulled up and passed over uh, to Petrangelo. They're both sort of on the right side of the zone to the left of the goalie, who I guess was Gibson, although I never had to be to check um, to double check. Uh, but Shin pulled up and passed to Petrangelo, uh, and and if you watch the replay, you can see three defenders, or, well, three ducks. They obviously don't have three defenders <laughs> on the ice, but three ducks are drawn towards these two because there's a puck control right there, and so they pull three defenders. There's one other defender who's on that side of the ice, on the right side of the ice. So Petrangelo actually hits a drop pass, which is the key to making drop passes, as Bortuzzo crosses the line into the zone, and he skates in on the left side of the zone, and there's just nobody there. Um, Gibson is in sort of a weird position where he's squatted but not really fully in the butterfly yet, and so Bortuzzo has a whole half of a net to shoot at, and he just kind of shoots it middle uh, to Gibson's right, and there's no chance for him to save it. Um it was really a beautiful goal. Uh, Bortuzzo is not a bad offensive player. I mean, I know, I know, and I know we're talking about the only two games in a row he'll ever score, but I just I think with guys like him and Gunnarsson, I don't feel like any of our defenders are just like total dead fish in the offense. They're not zone, a Roman you know? Polak. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of a nice trait to have. Um, Ivan Barbashev. Uh, also scored for the second game in a row, his seventh of the season. Uh, And his primary assist was the first St. Louis Blues point uh, by Nikita Soshnikov on uh, this goal. And then Petrangelo has many more St. Louis Blues points than that (laughs) with 31 this season. Uh, Barbashev moved from behind the net. This was kind of cool to watch the replays of this and just review these goals because for some reason these clips seem to be longer than the average NHL.com clip because they're all over the place. So you could sort of see the plays these guys made to set themselves Mm -hmm. up ultimately for the goal with like Bortuzzo chipping it out and Barbashev sort of making a nice play behind the net. Um, He's moving behind the net to the front as the puck goes out to Petrangelo. Petrangelo takes a heavy shot from the point, and I think Sash just attempts to uh, redirect it, and it rebounds off Gibson's pad, and Barbashev is there for the rebound goal into the net, which he seems to have a kind of a skill for, Mm -hmm. uh, which is something we need. And it made me kind of want to take a moment to just say, just sort of do a heat check on Ivan Barbashev. What do you think about this Ice cold. I... There no, were points. There were points in this season where I thought this guy has a. He's just Magnus Payarvi now. Like we got rid of Magnus Payarvi, and that's who Ivan Barbashev is now. And I'm not. I think I'm a little warmer than that now. No, I think he's got more ability uh-huh. than Magnus Payarvi. More ability than just raw speed. Yeah. Like you said, he looks really good in close. I, he's rough on draws thus far as like a center. But who isn't as a center on the St. Louis Blues? Kyle Ratzak, that's about it. And Paul Stasny. Pour one out for your buddy, (laughs) Paul Stasny. Um, I like Ivan Barshev. I think he's got a much higher ceiling than Payarvi does, or a lot of our, I'll say, kind of like the wheel of bodies that gets placed around this team in different areas. He was drafted, I want to say, second round. Magnus Payarvi did have a two-goal night the other night, I think. Yeah, whatever. Was, Agreed. Were, were they both wraparounds? <laughs> they probably were boring. 
I just think Barbashev has a lot more playmaking playmaking ability mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. than PRV ever did. Not that not that we have to compare them directly, but I think he's Barbashev has more room to grow, higher ceiling, a more exciting player to watch. Just have, seems to gel better with players on the Blues than yeah some of our other sort of uh, tweeners ever have. Yeah, I think that's fair. I feel about the same way. I just I'm a little more excited about him. It's easier to be excited when everybody's scoring goals. Um, Corey Ber- Corey Perry scores lots of goals, although only 15 this season. Uh, Ryan Getzlav gets lots of assists with 41 this season, and Brandon Montour somehow has 20. Uh, but those were the uh, point scorers on the <laughs> second goal or the first goal by the Ducks, um, which was a minute. And 17 seconds after Barbashev's goal, this was just a case where it was an offensive zone faceoff that gets Slav won because he wins lots of those. Uh, and there was great puck movement after the win, after the faceoff win. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was just a, a simple, pretty much straightforward goal on puck movement. Uh, the one the one nice play was when Getzlav got the puck wide to... Uh, Allen's right, and then just sort of passed it through the crease. I think kind of through the crease, through a mess of bodies, and got it to Perry uh, and knocked it in. Maybe it's easier to say because uh, we won the game and we're a little less hot about this one. Uh, maybe in other games, I would say, why didn't that somebody get a stick off or body part on it, or why mm-hmm. didn't Allen cover it up while he crossed his uh, crease? But Part of me wants to just say it was Ryan Getzlav and Corey Perry connecting on a goal, and that's mm-hmm. just going to happen sometimes. I think on that goal, too, what are you gonna do? Petrangelo kind of got knocked around behind the net, and I think mm-hmm. when the puck went in, he was kind of looking for a call from the yeah. ref on something, yeah. which was kind of a delayed thing. I mean, it was about five seconds later that the goal got scored, but he was looking around kind of weird, and I had to replay it and think, what are you looking for? Like You, mm-hmm. you, you looked fine. You should have put your stick on the ice, though. Yeah, agreed. Um... I th- I thought at this point that maybe it was going to be a landslide. I sort of felt like, okay, well, there's the dagger, and now we're just going to cave. But the Blues got goals from the usual suspects for the rest <laughs> of the game, starting with Vladimir Sabotka scoring his 10th of the season and his first since the second game of the season. Now, I'm sure he's been more recent than that, but it doesn't feel Probably like not. it. Probably <laughs> not. Um also, this is uh, Jordan Schmaltz's first assist of the year. I think his first point as a blue, uh, but I forgot to double check, so my apologies. I'd done bad research today, folks, which is not like me. I feel like you said a point before with the blues, uh, but I could be wrong. But he got a point here. I'll look it up. He uh, passed a puck to um, Saboka at the front of the net after Barbie made a nice little pull-up move to drop it off to... Um, drop it off to Schmaltz. I can't remember names. It's all off the rails. Schmaltz takes a nice kind of slap pass to Saboka, who's in front of the net, and Saboka fights off Perry and sort of spins around himself to score. Uh, low to the glove side, or the... Yeah, go offside. So it was a nice goal by um, Saboka. And it was cool to see one of our much maligned <laughs> forwards get a goal. And he would not be the only much maligned forward <laughs> to get a goal. But first, Derek Grant, who may be much maligned as far Maybe. as I know. I've never I'm heard no, of him. I've never been a Ducks fan. Uh, Chris Kelly 
after returning from the Olympics and signing with the Ducks, got his first Wait, assist. Wait, really? Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, and Hampus Lindholm scored the other assist, which may be, of all the names in the NHL, may be the most letter-smushing name there is. You're Hampus Lindholm. That's like somebody put all the letters into... A letter generator, a name generator, and said, "Look, there have to be vowels occasionally. Figure it out." I don't care what language you speak. No one looks at a baby and says, "This thing is Hampus," <laughs> unless you hate the baby. Yeah, that's so true. Oh, that's perfect. Uh, but he got an assist on this goal. Uh, Grant skated up the middle. Uh, and he did as he did so. He passed it back to Kelly. Kelly sort of held it as Grant crashed the net, and then took a shot, which Grant deflected. And it was a nice little goal. Nothing real special. It's the kind of goal you'd love to see your team score more often, though, because it's just hard work. Mm-hmm. And the, our defense didn't do a lot to hold Grant off as he crashed into the net area. They call that the crease, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Patrick Bergwin scored. At the end of the game, which was the other much maligned forward we talked about, assisted by Kyle Brodziak in his 24th point of the season. Um, Bergwin made a nice play here, but it was the least effort of any of our goals, which isn't surprising. Uh, Steen was the one who made the critical play behind the net where he pressured one of the uh, Ducks defensemen and kind of got the puck from him and dished it to Brodziak, who found Bergwind as he was crashing towards the net, and Bergwind knocked it in. It was a good play, and it was really nice to have a win where guys like uh, Bortuzzo and Barbashev and Saboka and Bergwind could score goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, we only have players on this team with B or S names. That's it. That's all you got. <laughs> you got the goalies, and you got Tarasenko, and that's it. What about Vince Dunn? I, I just you know what you know what there's lots but I'm trying to make a point Ian uh, a very good point <laughs> storylines from this game uh, I think Jeremy Rutherford's quote to start his article was really telling when he said you can look at this one of two ways good for the blues or where was this the past month or so. <laughs> Um, you can look at it both ways. Yeah. Uh, the shots in this game were even pretty much. The face-offs were even. Each team was 0-for-1 on the power play. The hits were even. The Blues had a lot more blocks. And the Ducks had 16 giveaways to the Blues 9. But the one stat that really scared me is that while the Blues had an overall Corsi 4 percentage of 44.32%, which, as we've mentioned before, is kind of an overall game control statistic, uh, you want to be at or above 50. Uh, while it was overall 44%, which is not great, but not terrible, the third period, uh, the Ducks had a Corsi 4 percentage of 78.26, which is absurd. I don't think I've ever seen one that high, even for a period. So that may be portented doom in the upcoming Avalanche game, which you will talk about. Um, Mike Yo said some of the... Uh, lines that I would like to talk about some of the, some of the things that he says a lot that I kind of want to interrogate a little bit. He said it's getting back to our identity. You see a lot of those shifts that when you think of St. Louis Blues hockey, that's what it looks like. It's hard hockey. It's intense. It's a puck control game, and we've been doing a better job of that. I think guys are staying true to their identity right now, not trying to do too much. So. Is St. Louis Blues hockey at this point hard hockey, intense, and puck control focused? I thought when uh, 
Mike Yo took over, the goal was to move towards faster guys and higher skill guys and move away from the physical game. And I think we've talked before where it seems like they're sort of trapped between two worlds where they've got lots of fast skill guys, but there are enough big body grinder type guys left to kind of drag down the roster with them. Mm. So do you agree with his quote or do you disagree with it? And you'd better disagree with no. <laughs> he definitely is trying to play us like that, I would think. I think our speed shines through because we have more of it than we used to. So mm. you can't really can't really contain that because we just have faster players. But I'd like, like you said, to see us move to that speed game that we were kind of promised. Mm-hmm. I have I don't even know where the quotes are. I don't even know if they've actually told us we're gonna move to a speed game. I promise you that like anything. Mm-hmm. But I swear there's been enough little little tiny quotes here and there, but in summers and things like that and off season that they're like, Oh, that's what we're moving towards and every year it feels like ah, oh, we're back in the same old blues every time. And I think it's because that's what quote unquote works for us. And so we have a Hitchcock or a Yo that just turns back to same old strategy that works. Before Yo got here, I know lots of Wild fans are saying he's pretty much just a Hitchcock junior, more or less, in terms of strategy. And while I don't think he has his playing crazy turtle defense uh-huh. like Hitchcock did, it definitely doesn't feel like we're playing a speed game. I also find puck control to be a funny term because, yeah, that's, just that's every team. <laughs> yeah. My one gripe with hockey is that they try and make things sound different or complicated yeah. when it's not it's mm-hmm. like yeah we want the puck every team plays yeah for a puck control they talk game. about hard effort games i'm like yeah that should be all game yeah so i mean but i understand that he's talking more of kind of like a grind and yeah i think we should move towards speed and i think we will as we shed players mm-hmm. hopefully fingers yeah. crossed i agree um a couple of quotes that bother me and then we'll move on just in terms of uh, Jeremy Rutherford was asking different people what was responsible for the change. Bortuzzo said, we're not sure exactly what the pinpoint was for elevating our play, but we have done that. I think at the end of the day, there's a way to play the game in a way there isn't. It's one thing to work hard, but it's another thing to work smart, and I think we're doing that right now. Although that quote didn't sound especially <laughs> smart. And then uh, Jake Allen says, it's really tough to explain. You can't answer for everyone, and you really only can control yourself, but you bring everyone else into the fight when you just work hard. I think once everyone sees that they, that everyone is going, I just it just stems that way. Uh, which is just sort of like this has been the whole thing ever since the real bad slump, the seven-game slump. Mm-hmm. Every quote has either been, I don't know why things are going this bad, or I don't know why things are working now. And I'm just kind of <laughs> like, could you figure it out for <laughs> our sake? And then Alan finally said, uh, talking about the avalanche game, which I think uh, which you were at and you will cover, and I think this is a pretty telling quote. He said, I think from the outside perspective, people will think it's bigger than it is for us. I don't think we need to think it's the be-all, end-all here. Yeah, it has a little more meaning, no question. But we can't approach it any different than we approach Saturday and Monday. From fans' perspective, it's a little bit bigger game, but I think we just need to keep the same mental approach and keep playing the way we have been. So, Ian, did they? No. <laughs> Sorry to spoil it, but no, they didn't. We thought maybe they could make it uh, three wins in a row. And I was feeling it going to this game, sitting down my seats. I was like, all right, we got this. 
I was feeling that actually all the way until when I sat down in my seats and I realized I've seen so many losses from these seats that it's probably going to be a loss now. And it was. Did you see wins this year? Yeah, I saw some wins. That Like their season, I saw the wins at the beginning of the season. <laughs> and then I saw more and more losses. Yeah, that's fair. First period, Nathan McKinnon scores his 34th of the season. He's pretty good. He's a pretty good player. First overall in 2013. Oh God, I guess good. he's okay. <laughs> I think he's finally sort of coming into his own. He sort of mm-hmm. he had a hot start as a rookie and maybe in his second year, and then he kind of slumped with the whole team for a while there. But boy, is he back! Do you think? And I think he's a strong contender for the Hart Trophy mm-hmm. if if two things they have to make the playoffs, and then if we actually believe that most valuable means most valuable and not just best, mm-hmm. then I think he should win it. Or Taylor Hall should win it. Mm. Or <laughs> Angie Kopitar. But those are really the only it could three be any options. Money. Um, not Nikita Kucherov. That's my point. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we don't like him. Um, Less Ruski is more Bruski. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think uh, Nathan McKinnon is better now because they booted Matt Duchesne out the door? Probably. That guy was a cancer. Yeah, we can all see now. Yeah, apparently I he's used, the worst. I used to think when, when Doug Armstrong once said that uh, very, like, pretty transparently for him and how people talk about uh, trades in today's day and age. He kind of said something about, yeah, we don't, we're not really interested in Matt Duchesne because of his character. And I was kind of like, who's ever heard anything bad about Matt Duchesne's character? Well, apparently they should have because it's a <laughs> Like, yeah, Nathan McKinnon, the whole team in general has played better without him. So uh-huh. I don't know. And it's not like Sam Gerrard has stepped up in that big a role that fast. <laughs> what a great trade. Yes, I mean, it was. It really was. Nathan McKinnon, 34th goal, 10 minutes into the first period, assisted by Rantanen and Landeskog, two names you'll hear plenty of this game. <laughs> a great goal by McKinnon, a really Does nice Does anyone wrist but period. those three people get a point in this game? Um, Let me see. Barry gets a point. And that is it. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, Nathan McKinnon, great wrister. Kind of, I don't know, it was kind of like Jake Allen, you could have this. But he does get a little screened. And this is one of those, this is the goal that when Jake Allen gets to say, it's Nathan McKinnon, what are you going to do sort of thing, like he did with the Crosby goal. Uh, this one's fine. Yeah. I agree. It was a great wrister. He's a great player. S- sucks to suck. I don't know. <laughs> like, that's just going to happen. And it happened again because Nathan McKinnon scored uh, his 35th. In the first period. This one was from the other side of the goal there. That was 13 minutes into the game, assisted by Barry. That's different. And Miko Rantanen <laughs> for Rantanen's 49th assist. Rantanen, who, as we said on Twitter, a very underrated player right yeah. now. And one of the league's future stars. First Finnish player with a 70-point season since not Yori Laterra, who doesn't have Never. 70 in his career probably yet, but Timu Solani. In 2010-2011. Holy cow. Pretty good. Pretty good company. (laughs) Anytime you can be the first Finnish person to do something since Timu Solani, as long as it's not that haircut, you're in the (laughs) clear. (laughs) Blues were down 2-0 at the end of the first period. They had a lot better of the play, I thought. Mm -hmm. They had more control. This was actually, I think, I'm going to say their most dangerous period. They might get more shots in the next two, but they seem to go down in quality. I think they... We're going to look up the Corsi 4% and vetch it. They definitely. I'd say the Corsi 4% goes up period by period, but I think their shot 
selection goes down. down. Or it's it's just peppering the goalie in close, which we'll talk about. Woo, a 78% in the third mm. period. How mm, diggity. Yeah. Uh, 51% in the second, though, which was lower than the first. So you oh, were well, the longest. <laughs> like, what was the first one? 63%. Okay, so yeah, it was pretty good. Second period, the Blues scored. Uh, Edmondson, his seventh of the season, and his first game back, I believe, uh, 9-15 into the second period, assisted by Pareko and Yaskin. This is a nice uh, slap shot he kind of got from way outside. It looked like it might have deflected him by somebody, but it seemed to be clean and just get past Varlamov, who tends to play the Blues super-duper well. We talked about it earlier this evening before we started recording. Simeon Varlamov, a pretty, I'd say a pretty decent goalie. I'd almost say, I don't know stats-wise, but in my mind, just middle of the pack, just mm-hmm. fine goalie. Plays like bonkers against the Blues. I don't know if he ever makes amazing saves or anything, but he's like a brick wall, which we'll talk about may not have been the case this evening, this game, but nevertheless, a goalie that plays amazing against the Blues. Av's got another goal in the second period by Miko Rantanen, his 24th of the season. Uh, this kid's bonkers good. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is assisted by Landeskog, who's 29th assist. This was an interesting one. This is a great pass by Landeskog with Rantanen going into the zone. I can't remember which Blues player defenseman gets back to defend Rantanen. They get back in with plenty of time. I, I want to say it's Vince Dunn, but I don't know for sure. Ronda doesn't have much shot selection choice, not a lot of room to pick what he's going to do. Kind of fires a backhand and goes up over Allen, mm-hmm. sort of like above the glove side, perfect corner. But This one yeah, was a little bit ugly. <laughs> yeah, this one was different. Uh, it's a good backhand shot. Those are hard to read. And maybe it's maybe it's that, but Allen does seem to go down like crazy hard, really early, and I just don't think he's ready for it to go in the angle it's at. If Jake Allen had used a Pokemon move to try and save this oh, shot, no. it would have been flail. Oh, there you go, folks. He's got no PP left <laughs> in any of his moves. He's useless. Except if that was true, it would have been super effective. <laughs> <laughs> um, not the great. It's. It's not a great goal by... There's your weekly Pokemon <laughs> lesson from the two guys in our cup podcast. You can use Splash. Um, not a great goal to give up by the team or the goalie, just team overall, because the Blues had a lot of pressure in the second period. They had cut the deficit in half, and this just took the air completely out of the stadium. It was dead quiet now. I was like, oh, okay. So this is just one of them, <laughs> this is one of them patented Blues losses we're used to seeing, eh? Uh, third period came around. The Blues, like you said, had a ton of control. This period, tons of zone time. Mm-hmm. I believe Shen and a few other guys were quoted as saying, like, they thought they had, they were in the zone for probably 15 minutes total out of that whole period. And I don't think they were wrong. Issue here was they were either firing it wide, which was a story of the entire evening. I'm glad you got the puck. I'm glad you're shooting it. But please make Varlamov make a save. Mm-hmm. Or, well, they were firing wide, or they're missing completely empty nets like Tarasenko had. He wide open gaping net for Lamov is out of there. Was I too hard on him on Twitter when I said well, it was unforgivable? Unforgi- <laughs> yes. We'll say yes, because unforgivable <laughs> means unforgivable. Yeah, that's true. So I guess that would imply that I could never <laughs> You can't forgive him. him <laughs> you can't call Tarasenko up anymore. Um it's ter- it's we'll call it terrible because it is. It's wide open. It's on his backhand. He just whiffs on it. He doesn't even whiff on it. He hits it. He just hits it wide. Mm-hmm. 
That's going to happen all the time. That's going to happen to every player once in a while. It's mm-hmm. just annoying to see A, Tarasenko, and B, in a game where you're pretty close behind them. A 3-1 game is not insurmountable for other teams, at least, this season. Mm-hmm. Maybe not so much for the Blues. Uh, that was kind of the third period. It was tons of shots. It was tons of shots in close, which sounds good. And I'm glad they're trying to kind of muck it up in front. But, man, when you're just hitting the puck back and forth into Varlamo's pads mm. and not even jamming at it, but just, like, you know, two-inch shots in front of him into him, it's not offensively threatening. There were a lot of shots from the point to try and get deflections. Uh, I know Blues players are going to have their sticks up in the air to try and bat them down, but when they missed, they really didn't get their sticks down fast enough to even put in a rebound, and I thought the Avs did a really good job of tying up blue sticks. It's going to happen when you have that much offensive time against the Avs there. They might just start to adjust and get better defensively because they've got so much experience this game in doing so. But I thought they looked <laughs> a really did a really good job of sort of boxing out the uh, bigger threats of the Blues. And it just sort of ended that way. Uh, Rotten got a empty net goal. His 25th of the season assisted by, we can let's all say together, Landis Gaga McKinnon. <laughs> There's only three players on the Avalanche, and they're very good. Um, yeah, 4-1 loss. I thought the Blues overall played a pretty good game. It's just that they kind of fell short in just every area in small little bits and pieces. They couldn't quite get it in the net. They hit a post at least twice. They missed at least they missed the Tarasenko empty net, and there's at least another one where Barlamov was, of course, down and out, and we couldn't score. I got the statistic that I wanted. We finished with 45 total shots, but mm-hmm. we had 82 attempts. So, <laughs> trying to God. do the ma- trying to do the math quickly, I think that's about what I'm. I'm trying to look at the block shots. I think which was around 15 or something. I think it was 22 ish, something like that. It was 20 something missed shots. It was over 20 missed missed shots. Yeah. So blocks were 15. So 82 minus 15 would be 67 minus 45 is 22. You said Boom. it correctly. So 22 <laughs> missed shots. Yeah. Is not acceptable. <laughs> I'm glad you're firing the putt good because yeah, you have I mean, it so much, but yikes, man. Make the goalie make a save, for Christ's yeah. sakes. Or at least make some... I mean, I guess they have plenty of block shots, but make the Avs pay for it. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know. Hockey. The, the Avs had a win like this a couple of days beforehand when they beat the Wild like 5-1, to one, and they had their shot total doubled by the Wild. Uh-huh. They. I guess they're good at hanging in there. They've done this before. This has been something of a hallmark of the Bednar-Waugh era. And I think Varlamov is one of those goalies who just absolutely thrives under absurd amounts of Mm -hmm. pressure. And credit to him. But uh, hockey, uh, natural stat trick, which is our hockey statistic website, and it's amazing, and I'm so glad it exists, (laughs) said we had 14. High danger chances for, which is just not true. I don't know how they recorded it, but I like how you said you really like this website, but no. they lie yeah. to us. It's a great site. I just like it doesn't feel like. I mm-hmm. mean, we did have a lot of shots from right in close, but as you said, if you're shooting it right into their pad, it's not really dangerous. Yeah, you know? it's a shot, but is it really? Um, 
and that's like not I, I don't want to take away any credit from the blues and I don't want to take away any credit from Varlamov, but when the narrative at the end of this game was Varlamov stole one for the from the Avalanche, I don't think that really entirely covers it. I think it's more a case of Varlamov played really well, the blues did not play as well, and more than anything, the star players for the Avalanche really outperformed the star players for the Blues. I think Tarasenko looked good in the sense that he was firing a lot, mm-hmm. which is what you want him to do. But that missed shot, whether you want to call it unforgivable or not, was glaringly bad. <laughs> and I know it's on the backhand, and I know it's in tight, and I know that I couldn't probably do that either, but I'm not being paid $7-plus million a year mm-hmm. to score hockey goals. So, you know. It was... It was just not great. Yeah. McKinnon outperformed Tarasenko, Rantanen outperformed Tarasenko and Schwartz and Shen, and we lost. You know? It was a rough game. Var- Varlamov outperformed Allen, and mm-hmm. that's pretty much the difference here. These games are frustrating to watch, and I feel like I've seen a lot of these live, and I'm sure they happen when I don't watch live too, but uh, there's a tendency for this team to just defer or look for just another even better shot. They've mm-hmm. already got a pretty good shot. The Nathan McKinnon goal that he scored, his first goal, not like the premium angle for shooting, but mm-hmm. decent enough. He shot it and he scored. And I swear to you, if that was Jaden Schwartz, he would have tried to pass it to the middle or drop pass it when yeah. he was at the dot. And it's like, why? Why, 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 why? Mm-hmm. And they had that at least once this time. I think Berglund was skating it in at like a 45-degree angle to Varlamov, and he passed it down in front of him to Schwartz, who's now like on the goal line, like... 15 feet over from the net. Like, what's he going to do? We had three Blues bodies in front, and it was just jam-packed. I'm like, okay, yeah, offensive threat neutralized. And I was like, why? I just It boggles my mind. At least fire the puck on net then? Yeah. Go for a rebound? Yeah. It's just it's frustrating to watch your team dominate a game and then just not dominate a game <laughs> at the same time by two different metrics and two different narratives. Uh, I don't have a lot more to add than no, that. You're welcome to add if you'd like to. But. It's confusing, and we'll probably end the whole season <laughs> feeling this way, but like, I don't even know what this team is ever, really. Yeah. It could just be anything. I guess that makes it fun running into the playoffs like this, if that's the best positive narrative you can take away from it. But I don't know. They beat the Rangers tomorrow, and then they just get creamed by the Hawks on Sunday. They win both of them. They lose both of them. And I believe any of these things. All of them could be true. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Why don't you talk about, you mentioned you wanted to talk about Alex Petrangelo. I know you mentioned him earlier. But let's let's end on a positive note and then a a realistic note. On a sour note. Um, Alex Petrangelo, well, a, a pretty good captain, we'd say. Like, an all right captain. Yeah, We're not really talking about his captaincy today. We're talking about just the sort of stats, I guess we'd say offensive stats that he provides for the Blues. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was two seasons ago he got hurt and he was out for like maybe six games. And people that people that were maybe in more in a pro Shattenkirk camp sort of were like, you know, Petrangelo's overpaid. Let's see how Shattenkirk does. Like, we'll be fine without Petrangelo. I think we played one game and we looked really good. And then the next five, our decor looked just awful <laughs> offensively defensively the whole shebang and i was like oh no if we don't have alex petrangelo this ship is sunk <laughs> i dare say and i think you've said it before if you lose alex petrangelo for the season i think that's a bigger loss 
for this team than losing Vladimir Tarasenko. Yeah, I, I think agree it sinks the ship. I don't. I mean, and I know how crazy that will sound to some yeah. fans, and I get that. I mean, I'm not trying to yeah. badmouth anybody, but I think the same is true with Drew Doughty. If you lose Drew Doughty, that's bigger than losing Jonathan Quick or mm-hmm. Angie Kovatar. Like either guy, I think honestly. I mean, those really cornerstone defensemen are as close as the NHL gets to a quarterback That's in terms say, of like yeah. significance and irreplaceability. You know, so sorry. No, I was just saying, <laughs> this is just all to say that we really value Alex Petrangelo, especially here at Two Guys No Cup. We, we valued We him. crapped on him a little bit last We week. did, we did. And I'm, I'm glad we did, because I don't want us to just look like Petrangelo apologists. Yeah. But... Oh, we crap on this team all the time, <laughs> yeah. baby. Nobody's going to call us boys apologists. <laughs> um, but offensively, he's, I, I don't want to say he's been quiet, but you just don't see him highlighted all that often. Mm-hmm. He kind of piles up some points here and there, and it's just kind of like locks for Trangelo, cornerstone of the Blues, and that's all you really hear so much. And maybe because he's captain, they try and talk up more of his, you know, intangible roles of leadership mm-hmm. and things like that. But... If you look at stats, actually, and something that popped out to me earlier this week is uh, even strength goals, assists, and points, which are kind of big for any player, but especially defensemen, because as a power play on a power play, you'll have a lot of assists and stuff, but you're not going to get goals as a defenseman, things like that. It's mm-hmm. more like what you can score at even strength kind of speaks to your so-called strength as a player, as a defenseman offensively. And I wanted to compare him actually to two more, I guess, older but more recent defensemen that the Blues have had, Chris Pronger and Al McKinnis. Um, and even strength points, that is. Pretty good players. Yeah, they're, they're halfway Both decent. Both hockey Hall of Famers, I think. Al McKinnis mm-hmm. is now, right? Yeah. Chris Pronger, they rewrote the rule book to allow him to go into the Hall of Fame earlier. Early. Yeah, so <laughs> Because he's he was right. still on contract with whoever, the, the Coyotes, Flyers, maybe, or the or, Ducks yeah, or Coyotes. Something like that. Yeah. Um, Chris Pronger had his best Blues season points-wise and probably even strength and just in general in the 99-2000 season. I believe that's when we got swept out by the Sharks in the first round. Yikes. Anyways. <laughs> um, what a bad, what a crap hit. <laughs> President's Trophy winners and out. Um, Chris Pronger in that 99-2000 season had six goals, 27 assists, and 33 points, all at even strength. That's pretty good. That's his best season for him. Al McKenna's best was in the 2002-2003 season with six goals, 23 assists, and 29 points for even strength. Those are both really good. Alex Petrangelo right now sits at 10 goals, 24 assists for 34 points at even strength which is already more than Al McKennis or Chris Pronger and even their either of their best seasons. And this isn't even with a full season, pretty close to a full season, but without a full season being played yet. Alex Petrangelo has done an amazing job at, in a five-on-five unit. I'd say he's an okay, uh, he's all right, power play QB, although I don't think we ask him to do that much for it. And he's pretty good in the PK. This is something I think gets overlooked in his game an awful lot, especially when we had Kevin Shattenkirk here. Kevin Shattenkirk was viewed as our offensive defenseman. I mean, he was, but he kind of ate up sort of the spotlight as far as any sort of offensive ability went. Yeah. And I get why, but that's kind of why you never heard anything about Petrangelo 
very much. And I mean, he's he's taken some of the spotlight for himself this year offensively, especially at the beginning of the season. I think he still has that in him. I don't think it's a fluke. Yeah. I think the whole team just kind of stinking in general doesn't really help. Um, I think we could see this out of him next year, if not better. Um, this is something you brought up two points-wise. Petrangelo has 26 points on the road this year after the Anaheim game. Uh, I don't think he had any points in the Avalanche game, so this is how many he's got just right now. 26 points on the road. That's six goals and 20 assists, which puts him... He certainly didn't have any road points in yeah, the Avalanche that's game, true. so we could yeah, say that with that's confidence. true. This puts him second amongst defensemen in the league, only behind Dougie Hamilton and Calgary. As I think we all expected. Yeah, we all knew Dougie Hamilton was just eating it up. On the road. Uh. <laughs> um, another really great stat. I mean, roads game, road games are pressure games. Yeah. And if may, he's performing there. It may reflect poorly great. on our performance at home, but that's still a great stat. Yeah. I want to take us for a moment. No, go. Through a nightmarish alternate history. How let can it, it be any let worse? Us, <laughs> let us travel back. Oh, it can be worse. Oh, You're I about know. to see how much worse it could be. No. Let us travel back to the 2008. NHL draft. We're sat in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Oh no. The first pick, Alex Petrangelo is going to be the fourth pick. Mm. The first pick off the board, Steven Stamkos, home run. Tampa Bay wins. I would go so far as to say maybe I would trade Petrangelo for Stamkos straight up. Yeah, sure. But it'd, be, <laughs> it'd be close. <laughs> Number two pick, Los Angeles Kings, get Drew Daddy. Slam dunk pick. Oh, I remember. I yes, continue. Number three pick, the Atlanta Thrashers. Their winsome manager, Tyler Pickett. <laughs> we all know. Everyone knows. Uh, that's not his name. I'm just making it up out of whole cloth for those of you at home who are like, no, that was not the Atlanta Thrashers general manager. He walks up to the microphone and says, the Atlanta Thrashers have selected... Zach Bogosian, defenseman out of the Peterburg, Petersburg Pirates. Petersboro Pete's, excuse mm-hmm. me, I can't read apparently. The Blues select Alex Petrangelo fourth overall. Following the uh, ma- manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, who was probably still Lou Lamorello at that point because he's older than God, walks up to the podium and says, the Toronto Maple Leafs select defenseman Luke Shin. Now, just think about where this franchise is if the Thrashers get it right and take Petrangelo and we have to take Zach Bogosian, who's like an okay defender. I don't even want to crap on either Bogosian or Shin. But they're not first pairing guys. Oh, my God. Other Mm. picks in that first round right after that were Nikita Filatov, Colin Wilson of the Predators, and Mikhail Bodker. You got to get down to the ninth pick and Josh Bailey to get anyone else who's even relevant. So, oh, thank God. Yeah, you can hate on Petrangelo out there, but it could be so much worse. And speaking of so much worse, if you're done with Petrangelo, we are done with Petrangelo. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about playoff odds, shall we? Because this, I think, is the real question uh, that the Blues have in the remainder of the season. What are we to do about making the playoffs? And are we going to make the playoffs? According to sportsclubstats.com, which is the stat site we've used multiple times for playoff odds, the Blues are currently sitting at a 26.1... 
make sure I'm reading this right. Yep, 26.1% chance of making the playoffs. This nestles them gently between the Dallas Stars at 49.9% and the Calgary Flames at 8.8%, which means, folks, that we are in a very precarious position of either barely holding on to contention or falling entirely out of it very quickly. The Blues currently have... um, I'm looking it up. I'm loading it. I'm loading it. How many points? 79? 79, 79 points. Look at me. That was before it loaded, folks. I'm just that brilliant. Uh, we have 79 points in 70 games played. We are currently in the third non-wild card position between behind Anaheim and Calgary, who have 84 points and 80 respectively, but both have played 70 two games. Dallas has also played 72 and has 84 points, and Colorado has played 71 and has 84 points. So, uh, you made you made mention of the idea that let's look at it as best case scenario, the teams above us all go 500. Mm-hmm. What do we still need to do to get into the playoffs? So let's say all four of those teams I just mentioned go 500. That puts the Colorado Avalanche with 11 games. We'll give them six wins because we'll say they're slightly above mm-hmm. 500 at 96 points. Mm-hmm. Well, you can just do Dallas. It puts Dallas, I was getting there, <laughs> at uh, eight, 94 points. And it puts Anaheim at 94 points as well. The only reason I include them is because. It's possible they have a tiebreaker on us. I don't know if it's just head-to-head schedule. I think they do, but um, it may be. Oh, it's it's regulation and overtime, one. right? Yep. Which would currently be us. Us, yeah, I think so. Um, so ninety-four points is the threshold we need to get to. Mm-hmm. We have seventy-nine points. We have twelve games, which is a possible twenty-four points. We need 15 of those, which means we basically need to get eight wins in Mm -hmm. 12 games to secure a playoff shot if none of those teams do better than 500. Now, the Blues have one thing to their advantage, which is a fairly weak strength of schedule the rest of the way, I think. But we're a fairly weak team. (laughs) Thank you for that. Pick me up. Uh, But the Blues do have a lot of games against theoretically poor opponents. They play the Rangers tomorrow, which is technically today. We should be drunk for St. Patrick's Day at this point, but we're not, folks. We're professionals. Drunk on life. You'd be hard-pressed to prove that from this podcast. Uh, We had the Rangers and Blackhawks back-to-back, but then next week we play uh, Boston, which will be a tough game, and we host them. Uh, We host Vancouver, who's a bad team. We play Columbus, who are about equal with us. We host San Jose again. We go to Vegas, and then it eases up a little bit going to uh, Phoenix. But then we host the Capitals, host the Blackhawks, and then have a back-to-back at Chicago, at Colorado, for the final two games of the season. So it's about half and half, honestly. I thought it was a little friendlier than that, but it's about half and half playoff teams and non-playoff teams, maybe a little more towards playoff teams, but a, or non-playoff teams, I believe but a couple of really good playoff teams left in Road, there. road and a home, too. I believe it's yeah. six and six. But 
two road and road back-to-backs in there, which is not friendly. Oh, we're not going to make it. And, and here's why. And how, a home and away back-to-back. How many games do we play against the Hawks? Weekend. Three? Oh, we have four back-to-backs left yeah. in 12 games. We play the Hawks three times? Yeah. Yeah, at least two of those are losses, Jeremy for Rutherford sure. Jeremy Rutherford predicted all three of those being wins, which I thought was totally no. delusional. <laughs> I don't know how you don't think. I know they've lost some of their old guys, but like... It's the Blues still, and wouldn't they love to play spoiler to like us? They're not going to make the playoffs. They they can't, but as they'd I've, love to just I've rain said, on the Blues as parade. As I've said before, I don't think the Blackhawks probably hate us as much as we hate them. But you'd better believe that they'll be happy to be our spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> they hate us enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't see a path to the playoffs for us after that loss to Colorado. I mean, I, the only path I thought was carrying the momentum from the Western trip into a real good streak, and we couldn't do it. You know, so I don't. We we have we pretty much to to have a good chance at this. We have to win both games this weekend, and I don't think that's likely. Yeah, that's not me trying to be a downer. I just this team has not been good enough since November. To win a playoff position. The only reason we're in anywhere near contention at this point is because we had that absurd, like, 17-8-1 start or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you look at that, that's 35 points of our 79. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so since then, we've scored 44 points. Um, it's just not, it's not been good when three months of your season don't equal the first two months or barely equal the first two months. I don't think we have it in us to pull this out. I think Colorado has enough momentum right now and enough skill to get it done. Um, And I think one of the Ducks or Kings or Stars, well, Kings are, are Mm -hmm. they the third team in the West now? Yeah. So Uh, like Calgary or... I don't think Calgary's that much better than us, but the Ducks or Stars can probably yeah. keep pace. Like you said, they just got to barely go over 500 for it to be, you know, for us to have to win 10 games out of 12 or something. They win yeah. two more games and we're already talking like win out to get into the playoffs. So mm-hmm. it's going to be rough. It can be done, but our destiny isn't quite in our own hands anymore. Which is to me our own fault, by the way. Yeah. Oh no, completely, completely the Blues' fault. It's super annoying to be in this position too, because no matter what they do, you know, like I said, they could win a bunch of games, but if other teams just keep winning, it doesn't matter. So it's a frustrating time of year. Yeah, it's not great. Um, We don't want to end on that downer note, but we're going. (laughs) Sure, we do. Uh, I will give a shout out. It's not really a tweet, but there was a great sign. Uh, at the Boston um, Carolina game, where a Boston fan was holding a sign that said, "Whoever plays for the Hurricanes, your mom's aho," which is a reference to Sebastian Aho, the very talented young player who's done nothing this season. Not um, for me, but I enjoyed that sign. Uh, we hope you all have a wonderful St. Patrick's Day. We will record one more episode, I believe, before you take off for. The Orient, which is not what it's appropriate to call it anymore. But, you know, that's what people say (laughs) for our old-timey listeners. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, barring 
injury or death striking either one of us. We'll be recording next week on our normal scheduled Thursday time. If you've made it to the end of this podcast, bless up. God bless. We love you all. We're sorry, Justin, for confusing you. We're just sorry for everything. We're sorry, Vince, for confusing you with Justin. You're both great, though. Couldn't be confused with better people. Uh, That's all. That's all we've got. So, Mm. peace out. Anyang.